The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is back. Some good portal news for Nebraska we'll get into with Marquise Stepp. And uh, some Huskers off to the NFL level they hope and dream to achieve. Farniak gone, Diedrich Mills gone. So, some holes to fill for that offense that, well, who was that guy that that does the, they're not quite infomercials, but he's got the beard and... Billy Mays here. Billy Mays, thank you. And he's got the, he's got the, the, the lovable beard, and he's on a, a glass boat that's got a giant hole in it, and he takes this, uh, this duct tape that is nuclear proof and seals... The hole so the sharks don't eat him below, right? We need some some Billy Mays fix it up for the offense in 2021. Coming up, we'll spend some time with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. And uh, Mitch with us in about 20 minutes. Uh, Rick Kaczynski with us for a couple of segments next hour. Jacob Padilla will join us. And he's kind of our basketball guru. Huskers are on COVID watch for the next two games. That means no Illinois game and no Saturday showdown. I think that was with Maryland, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, a week from tomorrow, maybe they hook up with Minnesota. We shall see. But I'm more interested, uh, quite frankly, in, in Pius and Bellevue West tonight. Uh, boys basketball, uh, Coach Spitzkin and Pius are incredible. Had a chance to watch them with Coach Jeff Smith last Friday. And, uh, yeah, Bell West is unbelievable. Uh, one of the top talents in the state, obviously. And uh, that's going to be a monster game. Jacob's all over prep hoops, so we'll get his diagnosis on that. Uh, can join us numbers to get in 4663776467768008255865 phone numbers to get in can email chris at hailvarsity.com give us a follow on twitter find us on twitter at schmidt underscore radio chris schmidt at damon bar that's two r's for damon so the good news today for nebraska football adding a commitment from USC transfer Marquise Stepp. So let me give you a little background on Stepp. Six foot, 230 pounds, and he is out of a, a a football factory high school, a really good program in Cathedral High School. 
in Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, I'm anxious to talk to Kaz, Coach Kaczynski, in an hour about that region because you have population shifts, you have uh, a ton of talent in the South, but you do have some really good players in that Big Ten footprint, okay? And Indianapolis is is one of those regions where you have high-level high school talent. Colin Miller is a Fishers, Indiana kid. Of course, Randy Gregory, a Fishers, Indiana kid. Uh, you see what, uh, aside from going down to Florida, what Tom Allen has been able to do in the state of Indiana. And, of course, uh, Notre Dame right there in South Bend, uh, along with the surrounding region. Ohio State's going to go find kids uh, that they want from the state of Indiana. So it, it's really uh, under an undersold area. And this kid, uh, well, not a kid anymore, but Marquis Stepp, four-star running back, that's the rival's ranking, and was a Notre Dame guy. Got to be running the football for, for Coach Kelly. And then at the last second, ended up flipping over to USC. And when I look at, at some of the film on Step, and it, it just kind of makes me scratch my, my head a bit with him as to why he didn't get more touches. In his career, 505 yards, 100 carries, six touchdowns. And I went back and just kind of scrolled through some highlights based on his his rushing numbers and totals and didn't have a, a, a he had 12 carries but not a great yards per carry against Oregon uh, really had a, a nice kind of burst big play potential on the ground against Arizona and and that was everybody and that's not a knock on him but people kind of lined up for Arizona this year and and he had some some nice runs against Notre Dame a year ago so I look at a guy like Step and what Nebraska needs. What's Nebraska need? Well, they need a replacement that can get downhill, that can run the football, and can can fill that Mills void. Here's the question you're probably asking yourself. You're asking Alexa. You're asking your radio. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. Well, will Nebraska use him? Right? I mean, is is it going to be a game in 2021 where – Nebraska's game plan is is not going to run the football or establish a run game initially. Is the line going to be better where you're not having to throw passes to set up the run? Maybe that's a fear because we're not in coaches' meetings. Uh, you don't have Farniak anymore to move over to center. You might have a little Farniak at center, but you still have Jurgens anchoring that spot. So is it is it Hickman, right? Uh, is it uh, some of the other guys that have been in the program for a while that take over that right guard spot? You, you look at the offensive line, Corcoran and uh, Ben Hart at the tackle spot. You had plenty of work from Piper, and you've got plenty of candidates you brought in. So you, you've got some guys that have starts and snaps on the offensive line. The offensive line's got to be better, and Nebraska's got to have a back that can help the offensive line. But with Step, he's a guy that is going to be physical. You can give him the football. Um, we'll see if he can catch the football out of the backfield or if, if he's a, an every-down back or if he's a first- and second-down back or if he's a short-yardage guy because you know 
how Nebraska is with their personnel. Uh, honestly, I would I would prefer that they see if they can get Step to come in and, and rock and and be a, be a big time back for them. Commit to running the football like I saw against Rutgers. All right, <laughs> like I saw Nebraska commit. Uh, when it came to running the football and, and some of the, they, they ran the football enough to have some some swag and some attitude against Purdue, right? They ran well enough against Northwestern, although Northwestern's defense was really good. Just say yes, we're going to run the football, and that's going to be the focal point. And it's not that Frost and Company haven't, but they they just seem gum gun shy or get cute at times with what their game plan is. And all you have to do is look at Illinois and Minnesota. All right. Just flat out. So can you use a guy like step who was underutilized in my opinion at USC? And uh, is he a guy that can, can really elevate that running back room? And then what, what do you have with the rest of the running back stable? Who steps up? Do you see a, a healthy Savion Morrison? Right? Is is Scott going to make a jump? Ramir Johnson, is he going to be a third down back? Or is he a, a guy that kind of takes over that Duck R spot? I mean, we're, we're waiting. Marvin Scott, Ronald Tompkins, guys that you saw little snippets of. Uh, Sevian Morrison's a guy that had, had COVID issues, potentially, and, and, of course, injuries. So, you have recruited at an extremely high level in the running back room, but you've not seen that production on the field. Who's done well? You've seen Mills do really well when you gave him the football against Wisconsin, when you gave him the football against Rutgers, when you let him run, and he was healthy, obviously, against Purdue. And then you go back to Divino Zigbo's uh finish to his career how well he got lathered up and how nebraska was able to lean on him and he saw some some moments of of maurice washington right so nebraska needs a a back to step forward uh nebraska needs a back and then they got the kid coming in uh, in, uh, gabe irvin right so irvin's really good really talented can can he make an impact immediately in that running back room along with this get from marquee step but good for nebraska it sounds like wisconsin was in on step as well and nebraska won out because despite the stable having lots of names in it uh with mills departure step can come in and and win this job and make the offense something to be reckoned with and what are you going to have next year you're going to have an experienced defense. We don't know anything official yet from Dismuke or Deontay Williams or Honus or Stilly. We know that they have not gone to Twitter and said, peace out, I'm going to the NFL, like Jack Stoll, like Farniak, like Mills. Okay, You know that Cam Taylor Britt is back. You know that JoJo Doman's back. So what's Nebraska going to be at their core next year? You pray that they're better on special teams. Right. There's attention to detail with that. You pray that there's more organization, right, with play calling and, and play clocks and game planning and feeling good about committing to, to an identity on offense. But this team's overall identity and what you could be riding the back of is the defense. 
And if you get that line back uh, with a Stilly and you have a Robinson and you have uh, some of the kids up front that, that, that really uh, – Rodgers, Casey, Rodgers, and, and, of course, Snacks. And then you get Honus and, and you get Reimer. That isn't shabby at all. That isn't shabby at all. You have Henrich that's looked well. You get JoJo back. So you may be asking your defense to, to be that lead from the front type unit and the offense needs to complement the defense. How do you do that? Well, you, you hold on to the football. You put drives together. You run the football. And then you, you get some pistol mixed in and maybe you move Adrian around in the pocket. We'll see what more news comes out portal-wise, additions or subtractions. Pretty sure the team uh, reports back Sunday, and then things get moving forward. What you do know is uh, you're going to have an, an infusion uh, of some skill guys, okay? Uh, we mentioned uh, Irvin at, at, at running back, but Harburg also enrolling early. Fedoni gets to campus next week. James Carney. Really big-time talent from Norris, uh, Latrell Neville. All those guys are coming in. Uh, and plus Samari Toure, the wideout from Montana, comes to town. So there are options. You just need to see it perform and and do well uh, as a Nebraska football fan and clean up the in-game missteps. Right, just the fundamental football side of things. Championship game last night, Bama. As a as a Nebraska fan, did you watch that thing and harken back to the Fiesta Bowl at all against Florida, where things were close for a little bit? And I understand that Nebraska went off in the second quarter. So did Alabama, twenty eight points. Bama's beautiful to watch. Between Najee doing his thing. Uh, of course, uh, Mac was patient, and that's what Alabama is. You come play at Alabama, you put your time in, we're, we're going to develop you, you're going to get really good, you're going to win a lot of games. And uh, here is uh, a little bit more from Saban, because Nick was human last night in his joy for the kids that got through this COVID season. They're, they're back on top. They've won two championships in four years. It was Number seven for Nick. You know, this is a, a team that was always together. Everybody bought into all the principles and values of the organization and the program, and they just did a great job. They played together. They supported each other. This is a great team. No argument here. I would have loved to see this Bama team against last year's LSU team uh, take the overs. Here's Saban on title number seven. Not really. I'm just, I'm just happy that we won tonight. And I really haven't thought about that because you're always looking forward. And I just love this team so much and what they've been able to do. Uh, I, can't, I can't even put it into words. Ryan Day does put into words how and why things slipped away last night. You know, we, we didn't finish a couple of those drives. Um, didn't get the fourth down conversion, uh, two of them. And uh, and they continued to to make big plays and um, you know they got up I think four scores on us and we couldn't quite keep up and so it was just a combination of things. It was and Bama's offense was so locked in that you had to match them score for score or get a stop and it didn't happen. You did get a turnover and scored off of that and then you came out in the third quarter and got a touchdown. But honestly, it was just too much Bama. How many times did Harris have have four Buckeyes around him and jump cut or or 
slipped through a hole, and no one ever got a clean shot on him. Teague's a really good back, but when you lost Sermon, Sermon was the speed. Sermon was the electrifier. And and I think, honestly, you had Ohio State wait probably a quarter too long to implement the run game with Fields. And they were very cautious. There was management on that because of, of the, the Clemson game and how he felt. But you saw the, the, the Buckeyes go down the field in like three or four plays to uh, once they did get a stop uh, on Bama in that third quarter to, to kind of make, okay, they're, they're not dead yet. They just scored in four plays. Well, a lot of that was the, the zone read for Fields, and then they get to go over the top to Wilson, and bang, it looks like they're rolling. And, and then Fields just kind of reverted back to some of his poor passing games. Uh, Bama had a lot to do with that. Mitch Sherman, he'll join us next from the Athletic at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! More thoughts on the national title game and some takeaways on the acquisition of Marquise Stepp. We welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter's where you find him. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? What's up? Hey, Chris. Uh, recovering from last night. And I still got whiplash watching uh, that Alabama offense in the first half. And uh, it's been a busy couple days for the Huskers. So, you know, not, <laughs> not a quiet week in college football. It isn't. And th- there is proof that passes to the sideline can work, right? You know, with... Uh, Oh, yes, like the sideways passes. Uh, they look a lot different when, uh, when you edge Najee Harris and, and Devontae Smith are catching them. Those two guys, I, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, you hate to have, like, the recency bias and say that, uh, you know, they're the best ever or, or, or you know, those, that kind of hyperbole. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think those two with Mac Jones as a guy delivering the ball, I mean, he's not going to go down as – one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football history, but his ability to deliver the ball where it needs to be exactly when it needs to be to those two players who, who I think do go down as a duo. That's as good as just about any to play this game. Um, that's, that's a, that's a, that's an offensive trio for the ages right there. And uh, the, the, especially, especially Harris and Smith, you know, those guys are going to light up the NFL uh, from from day one, I think. They're fun. And from a Nebraska perspective, and, and I'm not calling uh, Harris uh, Michael Rogier, and I'm not calling Devontae Irving Fryer, but... I, I, thought, mean, of the, I thought of the comparison. I mean, it's... Okay. It's, I, I mean yeah. that that's that's how it would it would kind of hit home with Nebraska fans being able to have the number one pick overall at wideout and number three pick overall at running back and I know that was USFL for Rozier but I mean so Nebraska fans have experienced it it's just been about forty years yeah I mean the triplets from Nebraska you know throw Turner Gill in there uh, it's a it's an intriguing and interesting thought and a completely different offensive system but this the talent. And the effectiveness that those guys had for Nebraska in 1983 is, I think, on par with what we saw this year at Alabama. And it's a different, it's a different kind of athlete. Um, you know, none of them. Maybe the one who's most similar 
is is the Najee Harris Mike Rogier comparison. Um, I, there there are some similarities there in the way those two guys run the ball. Uh, the others, you know, of course, Gill and Jones are a lot different. And Fryer Smith Smith is like, and he reminds me of uh, of Marvin Harrison. Good call. Uh, that's that's uh, and I and I didn't I, you know I didn't I don't know that I'm the first to say that, but you are but on the I, show, uh, right? That's that's, uh, <laughs> that's the way that he glides, and it just seems like he's not even touching the ground when he runs when he after run after the catch. Um, the the image from that game last night that I'm going to remember, and it's crazy. To even it was crazy to see it because this is what Ohio State does week in and week out in the Big Ten with the way that it puts athletes in position to beat everyone else. The image that I'm going to remember is is uh, Devonte Smith streaking down the middle of the field with Ohio State linebacker Tuff Borland in pursuit, and it was there was no it was no contest like he couldn't keep up with him for two yards, and Smith just glides past him, catches the ball. You know, it could have been a 99 yard touchdown if they would have been at the one yard line. It was like a a 45 or 50 yard play, but that is how outmanned Ohio State was last night on the defensive side trying to stop uh, Alabama, and and uh, amazingly. That that's that's what it looks like. Generally, week in and week out in the Big Ten, when the, when the Buckeyes go against uh, just about everybody in this league. Well, and and I had flashbacks to you know the, the, those seven years in a row of of bowl losses where you had Mike Petko on Jonathan Harris. <laughs> you know, you had a you had a run stuff and sob there that's money on third and one, but poor bastard gets in space on a on a four two slot guy and. <laughs> it just it's good night, man, and you get schemed open that way. <laughs> I wonder when the last time you talked about Mike Petko on the show was. But oh, it's, uh, it's uh, probably great. when that's I went. Pro- probably when I went off on the nineteen ninety season during COVID. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Let's let's go to Nebraska and start off with. I know it happened yesterday, but I haven't talked to you. So uh, your take on on Wandale, and then we'll get to to step here in a minute, but. You know, as you uh, look at this, what's what what does this say right now about Nebraska losing Wandale? Well, it says that there's issues on the offensive side of the ball. I think there's some issues within the program, and I don't want to ignore. I'm not ignoring what Wandale had to say in his statement yesterday about his mother and her health, mm-hmm. and and she's recovering from COVID, and and you know he wants to uh, to be able to be in a place where he can he can get to her more quickly, understandable, admirable, but Wandale would be returning this spring to Nebraska or certainly returning for his junior season. If instead of an eight and 12 record over these last couple of years, it was 12 and eight or 15 and five. And he was featured in a, in a different way in this offense where they didn't need him consistently to go back behind the quarterback or alongside the quarterback and take the handoff. Um, you know, I think he's okay doing things out of the backfield as a receiving option and an occasional running back. But this isn't the this isn't the offense that Wandale Robinson signed up for a couple of years ago. Twenty three points a game here this year in in eight games. Twenty eight a, a year ago in his true freshman season. You know, I, he bought into a system that scored forty points a game and and was and was spreading things out. Um, and, and and Wandale was a guy. Who looked like, um, you know, some of the, you know, a, a, a DeAnthony Thomas mm-hmm. in in the Oregon system, um, or you know, a couple of the backs that UCF had in 2017, and the way that they they used them in such versatile ways 
as receivers or hybrid kind of players. That's just not what he experienced. So his departure, I think, speaks to the disconnect that Nebraska has, has had offensively between what its vision is for the offense, what Scott Frost's vision is for the offense, and the product that they've put on the field the last two years. So that's a concern because it's, it's going to resonate um, with guys who are looking to come to Nebraska and join this thing. And, uh, you know, taking him out of this offense makes Nebraska a worse team today, tomorrow. They are not a better team without Wandale Robinson, despite some of his limitations, I think, as a game-breaking receiver. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but there's a role for him in this system where he can flourish, and that's not really what we've seen over this past couple of years. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic, and you can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, the news today, obviously you have Mills and Farniak heading off to the uh, the NFL. They are foregoing their time at Nebraska. Uh, lots of great effort by both guys. And uh, now you have Marquise Stepp. He is a transfer from SC, a guy that had some limited touches, but when he did get lathered up, he's uh, he's kind of a thumper back. And uh, your reaction to Step and Nebraska being able to get a guy that was pretty highly touted out of uh, out of Notre Dame country that ended up going to to play at SC. Yeah, longtime Notre Dame commit from Indianapolis, and then switched sides to go play for the rival Trojans. Had a good game against Notre Dame in his redshirt freshman season in nineteen. A run that's been mm-hmm. making the rounds on uh, on YouTube and on Twitter today. I know carrying half of the Irish defense down the field. That that's got to make Nebraska. Fans feel good, and he comes. He comes also with, you know, a hint of concern because of that ankle that he injured in that redshirt freshman season two years ago. I talked to Antonio Morales, who is our USC writer, and he's covered uh, Step through his career, and said he fell out of favor a little bit this year at SC. Just uh, people felt that he didn't have the same kind of speed, the same kind of burst, and perhaps it was related to that ankle. So. Uh, what needs to happen for him to get back to 100% if he was still feeling the lingering effects of that injury from two years ago? That's that's going to be a question that you know I'm sure Nebraska has looked into. They're not going to spend a scholarship on a back who isn't healthy and can't do the kind of things they want him to do in the Big Ten. Um, at six foot, 235 pounds, you know you're not bringing him in to uh, to to uh, uh, you know be the next um, you know scat back. Mm-hmm. I mean he's a, he's a power guy. Uh, so he's got to be healthy to do that. And it's a concern for sure uh, when you look at all of the Nebraska backs. You know, Ronald Tompkins has had injury problems. Um, they've got to they've find somebody who can be healthy and can be a workhorse uh, in the backfield for Nebraska like Dietrich Mills was in that season finale. So lots of comings and goings. Um, you mentioned Mills. Uh, that was expected. I expected that from the end of the season on. Um, Farniak kind of closes the door on the offensive seniors who were uh, potentially going to come back and help this team in another senior season. Still got several decisions to be announced on the defensive side, and I think it's going to go better for Nebraska on that side of the ball. And then also the addition um, shouldn't be overlooked of uh, Samori Toure, um, the FCS receiver out of Montana, who made the announcement yesterday before Robinson's uh, transfer news. And, uh, you know, he's a big guy, 6'3", 190, and, um, you know, has done a lot at a high level in the FCS. You know, it's kind of like a, a North Dakota State guy mm-hmm. um, coming, coming to Nebraska. Um, he's a legit NFL prospect. So, 
you know, all is not bad news as far as the developments that have happened over the last couple of days with uh, Nebraska skill positions, um, even with uh, Robinson and Mills uh, heading out of Lincoln. Mitch, you got about a minute and a half here. With, with a guy like Step. do you see Nebraska maybe emphasizing the run a little more? And, and I know that they're, they're a run-first team statistically, but just from a game plan standpoint, do you think that that'll be more of a commitment here, knowing what may be back or what you do have on defense? Is it going to be a different style for Nebraska in 21? I think it could be. I mean, I think that's a smart plan to lean on the defense, especially if you get Ben Stilley and um, Will Honus, you know, Markel Desmuke, Deontay Williams, you know, a good, a good chunk of those guys come back. You're going to be really experienced on the defensive side. And, you know, I know it, it's not really um, the image of, 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 of uh, it's not Scott Frost's program was designed to lean on the defense, but uh, that may be the best path for Nebraska in 2021 to win games is to, is to let those guys uh, on the defensive side set the tone and run the ball and be physical. But if you're going to do it with Marquis Stepp, um, he's got to be able to handle that load. His ankle has to be able to handle that load. So we'll see over the over the months ahead what you know what else happens with uh, offensive skill position guys um, who develops at that receiver position. What happens with the Nebraska quarterbacks? You know how they look at running back in spring practice. All that stuff's going to determine um, the the uh, you know the the tone of this 2021 team. Mitch Sherman, uh, find him uh, with The Athletic. Uh, get a subscription to go read Mitch and his crew. And, of course, uh, can find him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, uh, podcast coming out this week, about 10 seconds. You got one loaded up? Yeah, I taped it this morning. We did the postmortem on the on the uh, college football playoff championship game. Talked a little Wandale uh, toward the end of it. So uh, Scott Dockerman and I. Um, it's uh, it's online. Go uh, go find it on uh, on the Apple Podcast. Mitch, thanks for the time, bud. Okay, thanks, Chris. Take care. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more thoughts on the national championship game. This uh, report from the NBA, they have outlawed hugging to curb COVID. Damon wants to outlaw hugging. I make him give me a hug every time he comes in. He's not a touchy-feely guy. Sark is doing his uh, Texas press conference. More comments from Sark about the Texas weight room not being for the weak or timid. And he uh, referenced the climb and fight he had to persevere to get back as a head coach. Good for him. So an hour away, Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine will get some hoops coverage from Jacob, get his take as he previews Bell West and Pius tonight. That's the monster showdown in Class A. Uh, We'll have uh, Rick Kaczynski. His takeaways from Bama, his thoughts on Wandale, and uh, Kaz will give us uh, a take here, too, because of the region he's familiar with on Marquise Step. So Nebraska able to, to land a running back. Can get in with this here. Open phones till 5 825 Five eight six five. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So uh, 
we can get into this discussion a little bit when it comes to the, the best teams. And does Bama jump on your radar? Uh, Mac Jones says this is Bama's best team. Went from a scout team guy, stuck it out, started the year. They brought in a five-star. He won the job. He looks really, really good. And he had to come in and fill in last year when Tua got his ankle broke in half. And that was the first time in forever Bama did not make a playoff. I think they absolutely unloaded on Michigan in the Citrus Bowl, if memory serves. But uh, here's Mac Jones on what makes this the best Bama team. I I think we're the best team to ever play. I mean, there's no team that will ever play uh, SEC schedule like that again. But at the same time, uh, we're just so happy to have won this game and kind of put the icing on the cake. Um, You know, there was not a lot of pressure. We just wanted to go out there and play the game that we've been playing since we were all five years old. So we did that really well. And I think you just have to give credit where credit's due with with everybody. Um, So, yeah. So I'll say this. uh, So you miss out on three games with COVID and just SEC only and then the the playoff. So Bama doesn't get their normal Jerry World or Chick-fil-A Dome. Is it Chick-fil-A Dome? Mercedes-Benz Center? Something. I don't know. Usually it kicks off in Atlanta. But Bama opens up with somebody of, of substance, typically. Then they'll play Sanford after the LSU game before Auburn. And uh, they'll mix in probably a Sunbelt team. But overall, their schedule speaks for itself. I mean, they, they mauled everybody uh, except Lane and, and Ole Miss. That was a shootout. Uh, more from, uh, from Mac on why Saban's the GOAT. Come on, man. Of course he is. <laughs> I mean, how can he not be? I mean, he does it. He does it the right way. Um, you know, he recruits well, but more importantly, develops great players and, and young men. And I'm just so blessed that he gave me a chance to come here along with all my teammates. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And he's the greatest to ever do it. And he'll be the greatest for a long time. So Justin Fields, uh, some parting words from him to his teammates about this feeling Ohio State really slaughtered last night and they were in it for a while but too much Bama Fields was not vintage Fields had his moments and he once again they had that feeling a year ago with the 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 Clemson ball game where they lost that they use that as motivation and ammo and fight to get on the football field and then of course uh, did their thing against Clemson well there's another mountain to climb uh, losing in the title game. I mean, yeah, I was just telling young guys that, you know, they have a, a lot more years here left, and I was just telling them to remember this, remember this feeling, and, you know, never uh, never let it happen to them again. Um, you know, of course, they were down. Uh, you know, they, they have time left. They have time to work. So I just encourage them to, you know, get back to work. So if, if I'm going to go, like, wow factor, if I'm ranking best teams I've ever seen play, okay, I mean, Nebraska 95 is there. They covered, I think, every game except the Washington State game. What is it? Good teams win, great teams cover. That is that the new advertising tag we're hearing on, on some, some, some commercials? Listen, Nebraska was phenomenal. Nebraska was three deep with NFL folks. What you're seeing from Alabama at the wide receiver – 
spot when we think of rugs. And who's the kid in Denver? You know who I'm talking about? Uh, you've got rugs in Oakland. You got a first rounder uh, that, that's that's in Donkey Land playing Judy, J- Jerry Judy. I mean, those guys were all studs and stars. And you got Devontae Smith that is is part of that crew, right? That was that was behind him. Same with Waddle. So what Alabama has going at the wide receiver spot, Nebraska had going. Quite honestly, defensively, when you look back at 95 with Grant and Jason and Rucker and Tomich and, and the Booker and, and uh, Tyrone Williams and Minter and <laughs> Stokes, and I think Stokes was gone by then, but Veland, I mean, go through it. You're just guys backing up, NFL guys backing up NFL guys, and Bama has that at a lot of spots on the offensive and defensive side, but what Nebraska did, who they rolled, how they rolled was was impressive, and they did it without LP taking a lot of snaps that season, right? In, in Big 8 play, where you had four teams finish in the top 10. So Nebraska 95 is up there. I know it's a different era and age of college football now, but Nebraska's physicality and ability was was second to none. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I think LSU 2019, phenomenal. I think Bama 2020. I would love to have seen that that Miami team from 22 from 2001 with Ed Reed and Morgan and the crew with the, the, the stable of running backs and Shockey at tight end, right, where you had McGahee and Frank Gore, and Frank Gore's still playing, which is nuts. But I would love to have seen that, that 0-1 Miami team against a, a 2019 LSU Joe Burrow squad with that receiving core, or just give me Bama 2020 versus LSU 2019. But if I'm ranking, it's it's 95 Nebraska. I think the um, the the 2001 Hurricane team's right up there, and defensively, that that Hurricane team was incredible. Nebraska was really awesome on offense and defense. LSU was incredible with Burrow, and Bama got after a really good Ohio State team. And Ohio State's defense, I know they were susceptible to the pass, and they were playing with a couple of backups on the interior, but they're still a really good football team. But there's my ranking. 95 Nebraska, 01 Miami. And I guess I got a guess I got a maybe edge 2020 Bama over 2019 LSU. That bias, I guess. And now. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Winding down hour one. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. Rick Kaczynski. Couple of segments coming up with him next hour. Excited to talk to Kaz as always. And then Jacob Padilla, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Get his take on some prep hoops. Pius and Westside. Uh, hold on a minute. Pius and Bellevue West tonight. And uh, some more thoughts on the the Nebraska offense for 2021. Jacob does a great job of padding the stats and goes really uh, pretty deep into some good and some not so good with Nebraska football. Does that with basketball as well. And Jacob's your man for Husker Volleyball as Coach Cook and company getting ready to rock. A reminder about uh, buckling up 70% of 
people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash is buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Damon, what would you fire up last night? What would you eat for dinner? Did you do wings? you do some munchies? What uh, what did you eat during the game? I assume you watched. It wasn't very spectacular because I'm having a hard time remembering what it was. Uh, ah, let's see here. Oh, not it was memorable. A, it was a little a little hamburger helper. Just a some really. To you don't are, are you an anti tuna helper guy? Uh, I am not a big fan of the the tuna. No, I can't say. <laughs> so yeah, it's the hamburger helper, the little beef stroganoff kind of going okay, on. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, and see, there there are places in town that do the stroganoff. Uh, it's such a high level. You'll pay fifteen bucks for it, and then there's Damon's Kitchen, where I'm sure it was marvelous. It was wonderful. I'm sure, yeah. So you, so the the college kids still fire up the hamburger helper. They still do the ramen. Mm-hmm. Sure do. The okay. hamburger. It's a little. The the beef is a little on the expensive side for uh, the college budget. So it's it's kind of a cuisine almost uh well <laughs> aside if, from the ramen if you really want to go bougie i mean you, you <laughs> could just buy some ground buffalo meat and, and shell out for that there i go right i mean <laughs> make it worth my while yeah if you're just going to get if you want the appearance of living thrifty and selfless you you go with the the, the ground beef but if you want to just class it up you get some you damn it you go buy some box wine damon oh yeah and you go with the the bison ground beef. Uh, I'll let you know how that turns out. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I love bison, but I, I it's not like I can just go run and get it. What is what you know? I don't shocker. I don't do a lot of the the grocery shopping, and if I do, I'm not buying ground beef because my family has no sense of what makes a good taco. Okay, the the spice level, and then the ingredients with the, the, the taco meat. So I don't do a lot of the ground beef. I'll buy spicy sausage to do biscuits and gravy for Junior. Uh, with you, though, I mean, what, what what did it run you? Is it six bucks, eight bucks? Uh, yeah, usually. depends on uh, how much the, you the, get, just the, the pound the, the at a time. The tube, right? Do you do, yeah, it, just do, you the, do it from the, the cold tube, case the or the yeah, tube? Yeah, okay. the, the tube. No. Uh, and I'm, I'm a wuss, dude. I buy my, my hamburger patties pre-patty. Pre-patty? Yeah. Uh, same. <laughs> Yeah, you got to. You got to do it. So, well, good, man. Uh, any leftovers? Uh, yes, definitely going to be tonight's dinner as well. That screams date night. Look at Damon Barr. Hey, baby. You want to roll over and have some hamburger helper? Got the oven mitt. All right. Coach Kaz is coming up. Riz Kaczynski. All things uh, football and beyond. Hail Varsity Hour 2, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into an hour two at Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's get caught up with the defensive line coach for Nebraska and Iowa. We say hi to Rick Kaczynski. Kaz, we made it to a title game, and uh, football's finished for, for 2020. How you doing, man? What's new? 
Well, happy New Year, Schmitty. Um, you know, things are going well. Good uh, good start to the new year. Glad 2020 is over with. And uh, saw, uh, you know, you just witnessed, uh, witnessed a dynasty and probably one of the the best teams in college football history yesterday play. So uh, it was uh, actually a thing of beauty watching those guys. That's a that's a difficult team to dislike. Um, so uh, really, really enjoyed, really enjoyed watching that game last night. They are so fun to watch, not only with uh, what they were able to do just with their motion, but also uh, Harris at, at, at IBAC is, I mean, he was, he was getting whacked, and he was still, you know, moving the uh, the old football forward, and just was so slippery with the Bama run game. Smith, uh, I know he jacked his fingers to start off the second half, but he went off in the first half. And Mac Jones, Coach Saban's labeled, uh, I don't know, uh, grumpy by by many, but man, he was he was smiling for those kids last night after the ball game. He really loved this team. What do you know? Uh, about Coach Saban, how much uh, have you had a chance to work with, or do you know folks who've worked with him? Uh, yeah, I know some folks that worked with him. Never had the privilege of um, of working alongside him or or with him, but know many people that have interviewed with him, worked for him, um, and you know he's a you know he's a grinder. Loves football. Has obviously loves football. Attention to detail. You know, puts pressure on on the coaches. Put pressure on the players. Uh, and you just got that thing humming. You know, it, it's really amazing when you think about what he's been able to do with the coaches that he loses in that revolving door uh, and the players that leave for the NFL. And, and really, you have Alabama teams that are great, and then you have Alabama teams that are some of the best in the history of college football, or at least in modern college football. You know, they, they never really seem – to falter much no matter what happens with the staff with the players with the you know the quarterback the personnel the systems so you know i think um you know when you look at coach saban i know he talks about the process a lot and a lot of people talk about the process but you know he lives it he bleeds it that that's his vision vision comes from the top and uh you know he's he will not drop the standard lower the standard for anything and you know it helps when you have that caliber of player but you know that caliber of player that they have um, at a lot of other places. They don't play as hard as they do at Alabama. They don't play with that edge. And when you look at that game yesterday, I mean those receivers and they block. They're physical. Um, you know it's like they're competing against one another out there. And, and when you look at Harris and and the way their backs run, they they run angry. It's really amazing, uh, Schmitty, when you look at Alabama. When you look at all the individual accolades, um, you know, the Bolitnikoff, you name it, Heisman, every award imaginable on those teams, probably six, seven, eight first-rounders uh, on that team you witnessed yesterday, and those guys play as a team. I mean, you talk about, and it's rare. I mean, let's be honest. You have kids transferring now talking about NFL yeah. <laughs> You know, while they're in college and, you know, they don't like the system. That that stuff just didn't happen. It doesn't happen at Alabama. So it, it's, it's just – and that's, that's Coach Saban. You listen to those guys talk, they talk about teammates. Uh, they don't talk about themselves. 
you know, they're articulate. They know what to say, how to say it. They talk about their teammates. And, you know, that's, that's the football uh, that I was brought in. And uh, that's what I love about Coach Saban in Alabama and what he's got going on down there. Rick Kaczynski's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Now, Saban's loaded. I mean, that cupboard's recruited. He spends days upon, I should say, hours upon hours with him and his recruiting staff. So there's always somebody waiting in line, be it an assistant, because someone's going to get bumped to a to a head coaching role or uh you look at the the national championship game with with smith you know three years ago catching the winner from tua look who else was on the field then i mean those are all first round nfl wideouts right and it it's a next man up of somebody in the in the nfl how has he been able to i i guess get the the buy i mean i know there's championships and they're winning and guys are going to the league but he he he's on a different planet with what you just talked about with guys caring about one another and playing with an edge uh and 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 rolling folks and and they could show up and half ass it and still win by twenty but they they're just wired differently kaz it feels like yeah well, I, it's almost i think when you you look at great n f l organizations um you you look at the, the ownership, the general manager, and obviously the head coach, and you look at the vision, you look at the continuity, and continuity is, it's not just in, in it's not people. It, it's, it's what you, it's what you believe in. Um, it's, it's what's, in, it's what's important. It's who's important. And are you going to give the people that are steering the ship everything they need to be successful. When you look at Alabama, from the president of the university, mm. from the administration, from the head coach, the AD, you name it, they're, they're all on the same page. And what I think they do a great job of, and there's so many things behind the scenes, it's, it, they're always two, three steps ahead mm. of everybody else. And players understand that now. Um, you know, everybody has TV uh, contracts now. Everybody has strength and conditioning. You know, ev- everybody is selling, hey, you know, playing in a Power Five conference. You know, everybody's trying to say, selling what, what, what their program is about and, and who they want to be. Well, Alabama can show you that. Um, you know, there, when I say two, three steps ahead, when you look at Coach Saban not missing a beat, he knows right now he's two, three assistants down the line. Uh, he encourages. There's head coaches that, that want to keep their staffs intact. They, they don't promote their coaches. Uh, they don't help. They don't lift their coaches up. I've seen it, witnessed it. You know, Coach Saban wants his guys to go on. That's a reflection. That is an absolute reflection of him. When I talk about innovation, Alabama travels with their own chefs. They bring refrigerated trucks of their own food. The SEC, you don't have great hotels in these college towns. You know, so it's, it's those type of things that they're thinking ahead about what they're doing for the student athlete. And when you think it's a, it's a professional atmosphere, not only first class doing things right all the time and doing what's best for peak performance, for your student athletes, it's you know it's 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 also what they're doing right 
for these guys way, way down the line. I mean, I'm, I'm so impressed, Schmitty, on, on how these guys talk, how they play. I mean, you watch them play. They play different. They, they play angry. They enjoy punishing people. I mean, those guys are having fun in really a, in a, a, a grinding, tough, man's, sometimes miserable sport. You know, football is, you know, football is not fun. Uh, there's a big misconception, you know. What, what's, what's fun about football is the feeling, that accomplishment, what you've put in, the investment and what you're getting out. And, and it's no different. You know, Coach Saban and his staff ask a lot of those players, so they're also given a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's that partnership. And that and Coach Saban can balance that better than any head coach in, in college and, and pro football. Um, and, you know, you got guys fighting for their jobs daily. The, the competition that's on that field, the competition that's in that weight room, you sit in the meeting room and you got there's guys behind you or coming in that could take your job the next day. So that's why those guys play, they practice, they finish, and they do everything right because it is a privilege, and that privilege can be taken away from you really, really quick at Alabama. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, longtime coach in Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, uh, Husker Nation freaking out a bit even 24 hours later with uh, the, the transfer portal news of Wandale Robinson. You had a chance to watch Wandale from time to time uh, in the Big Ten the last couple of years. And not only was he a guy that was kind of the face of the program, but a, a really talented guy on, on an offense, my words, uh, the last couple of years that, that needed talented guys on offense. And uh, we'll see what, what happens this upcoming season offensively for Nebraska. But as a coach, you have guys that decide to leave or are thinking about leaving and you're trying to get him, try and get him to stay, obviously, but the, the repercussions, it's, it's bad optics, but it's also bad reality with losing a guy that was a workhorse for you. Yeah, you know, no matter, no matter what the reasons, obviously there's going to be speculations all across the board, mm-hmm. the speculation on both sides. No, no matter what, it's, it's, not a, it's not a good look when you have one of your best weapons and best players on the team leave. Um, just not a obviously not a good look. It's very difficult to spin, um, and yeah, I, I I hate the state of college football uh, the way it is now with this transfer portal. Uh, with basically, you know, you get you get you get a free pass on a transfer. You know, taking football away from a kid, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you take a year of ball when you have such a small window. That that mattered. That that kept the kid there. Um, and when you look at that window, it closes fast, but a lot of things happen over a four- and five-year period. And, and I'm not talking about Wondell. I'm talking in general. You know, mm-hmm. uh, man, you just would love to see kids, when it gets tough, fight through some adversity, right? Um, you know, there was a time where, I mean, Coach Holtz told me to leave, told, asked me if I like Notre Dame or, or football better and I said coach I like them both he says well if you love football more than uh, <laughs> than Notre Dame you need to go somewhere else because you're never going to play here you know literally he said those type now a lot of it was motivational um, but you know back then you know the difference was hey man I'm fighting 
I'm fighting my tail off so they don't tell me to leave, and I'm going to prove these guys wrong. You know, when you face adversity now, hey, you get you get a free pass. I just I just don't like the way college football set up. You know, now in in Wandell Wandell's case, you know, hey, I don't know him individually. Mm-hmm. Seems like a really good kid, tough kid. I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say anything negative about the kid, but man, you just nowadays. Uh, or when I was playing, you just didn't see a whole lot of stories turn out better for the guys. You know, it's one thing playing and finishing with the guys you came in with, right? Mm-hmm. Fighting through those things. But I also, you know, kids want to win, right? I mean, you're talking about a senior class that I don't, have they had a winning season? Have they gone to a bowl game? I mean, that's all part of it because it is a grind and you want to be rewarded. And, you know, there hadn't been a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel for Nebraska lately. So, you know, I, I guess I I understand it, but uh, man, it's it's I don't I don't I don't want to understand it, but that's that's the world, that's the climate of college football that we're we're living in, and you know you got to continue to recruit the kids on that you have on campus. Unfortunately, it's making it's a it's a tough job already, and the transfer portal and this rule that NCAA is going to pass here this winter about a one-time transfer without penalty, it's gonna it's it's it is going to demolish rosters. I don't know how you manage a roster. Uh, the only way you can do it, uh, you know, my suggestion would be you got to expand the, the signing classes to more than 25. Otherwise, you're going to have programs depleted. You're going to end up with LSUs with 48 scholarship players like you did. It, it's really going to look a lot similar to COVID, Chris, in my opinion, when you look at it. These, these rosters are going to be completely de- <laughs> depleted. Um, unless you're the, you know, you're you you got the seat at the table like the top four teams every year. Uh, the rich keep getting richer, and then everybody else is going to be scrounging. I just I just don't think it's very good for the game right now. A few more minutes. Rick Kaczynski is going to join us on the other side of the break and uh, get his take on Nebraska's new acquisition, Marquise Step. Some more thoughts from Kaz also on Wandale Robinson, or more so the the transfer portal situation that uh, does exist and uh, it's it's pretty tough for Nebraska there there's been a tug of war going on this week with guys that that had their eligibility hit pause and it started last week with Jojo Doman and uh, Kim Taylor Britt coming back you're still waiting on what happens with Honus. You're waiting on Stilly. You're waiting on Dismuke. You're waiting on Deontay Williams. Uh, you got uh, the official word from Diedrich Mills. You got word, of course, from Farniak today. And uh, Nebraska is in a tough spot when you lose a Wandale Robinson. It is brutal to uh, to have a guy that's been that good for 18 games and that productive uh, say see ya. But the good news is Marquis Step is an option at, at running back for Nebraska. And you had Step. listen, he was in with and looking at Wisconsin. He was looking at Purdue, Auburn. I mean, those were, those were places that wanted him. And on his own dime, he checked out Nebraska. You just hope his injury history is just that, history. Some more thoughts from Rick Kaczynski, former Nebraska defensive line coach. Next segment with Hale Varsity Radio. 
And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. There can be assumptions made when you lose your best player, and sometimes it's usage, and, and he touched on that a, a little bit with what he thought he was going to be doing versus what he was doing, and he was carrying the football as much or more than he was catching the football. Uh, there's the close-to-home factor with his mother, who's ill and, and battled COVID, and, and I, I believe that played into this, too, and it was a tough flip at the time to get him out of SEC country, but there, there's so much chirping going on about what you know what's going on, what's up with the program when you lose a guy of this caliber. There, your job's to, to recruit better players, right, and, and bring in guys to, to fill those holes, but it's just not gone Nebraska's way for quite a while, Kaz. Uh, yeah, and you know, Schmidt, and, and I think a lot of it has to do you, you, you don't see kids from winning programs, a lot of them transferring if, if mm-hmm. they're playing, right? Right. Um, so, you know, I think you got to attack that. I mean, guys want to win. I, I don't want to get into – I hate the fact that, you know, when you're sitting there, I'm not going to listen to a kid, a, a college player, tell me about touches or anything like that. You know, I just uh, – I will comment on that. You know, mm-hmm. if you, you want to talk about the NFL – NFL, you know, what, what are they going to tell you when they're going to send you between the tackles and all those things, you know, and I don't care when you look at that level. I've been on the sidelines. I watched that game live and in person. It is so much more violent than college. I don't care whether you're between the tackles in the alley or on the perimeter. You're getting hit, and you're getting hit way harder than anybody in the Big Ten or any Power Five conference is hitting you. So, you know, when you start talking about that and how you're being used and all those things, I mean, to, to, to each his own. But, uh, you know, um, y- you really can't you – know, I'm not going to allow a player dictate mm-hmm. to, to me how what he's going to do and how he's mm-hmm. going to do it and what – you know. So, man, I, I just uh, – you know, Schmidt, I, I, I hate the fact that that was even said. Hey, if you want to transfer, man, go transfer. You got your reasons, man. Just go right off in the sunset and and move on. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. You know, I, these guys that and like I said, I'm not talking about him in particular. I'm saying in general. Sure, sure. You know, quit with the statements. Get off Twitter. You know, put your name in the portal. You know, close shop and move on. There you go. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, yeah, I'm from a different school. I'm from a different time. I'm a dinosaur. I understand that, <laughs> but I just don't like the way I just don't like the way things are in, in college football these days. And talking to a lot of coaches uh, that I know and worked with, um, man, it's uh, it's becoming a really tough job. I mean, you, it, it it really has. So. Uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just don't get it. Um, I wish, I wish the kid would have stayed there. I think, I think the arrow's pointing up. But also too, you know, Nebraska's got to figure out a way to to u- utilize the personnel they have. Um, you know, there, there's teams in the Big Ten, and in my opinion, like I said, I'm a guy watching stuff from TV, and that's, I'm not watching thousands of hours of tape like these guys do. So. Yeah, I'm not an idiot. Yeah, you, know, uh, you know, I'm like a fan now. I got all the answers from my from my <laughs> living room, which is which is kind of nice. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think Nebraska has t- more talent than some 
than some teams they lost to this year. They just got to figure out ways to utilize the per- personnel and, and put things together. So, you know, unfortunately, he, he's not coming back. Um, he's gone, like the old Grateful Dead cut. I mean, he's gone. He ain't coming back. So let's worry about the guys we have on campus, and, and let's worry about, you know, who we can bring in to, to replace that. And then let's look at our roster and how can we utilize our best player. Um, I mean, no matter – obviously Alabama is great and freaky talented, but they figure out ways to get their guys the ball. And, uh, and, and I, think that, uh, I, think, I think that's what Coach Frost and the staff are, are, are going to look at this offseason, and i got no doubts that, that you'll see that come next fall. Kaz, real quick, uh, a guy from uh, Indianapolis that Nebraska picked up from USC today at running back, Marquise Stepp. Uh, Nebraska able to, to, to grab him. He was a guy that was uh, pretty connected with Notre Dame, and, and then his senior season ended up flipping over to, to USC, and a guy that SC fans really uh, liked but uh, just wasn't used a ton and kind of a just a thumper back. We're talking 230 pounds, six foot guy that does have some speed. Had a had a really nice uh, uh, moment or two. Flashed uh, for about 500 yards in his career. Has three years to play. That name's got to ring a bell with you uh, up up there in, in Indianapolis, doesn't it? Yes. Well, you know, I when I was at Nebraska, that's one thing. You know, I went to. I went to JP and Coach Ells was was handling a lot of the recruiting and, and went to Bo and and uh, my last couple of years at at Iowa we kind of tapped into Indianapolis and I just you know when you look at population shifts obviously you got a lot of the population living in the southeast but when you look at the Midwest you got a lot of people moving into Indianapolis you got a lot of high schools with great facilities. A lot of a lot of coaches that all they do is coach football or or ads. You know they're not in the classroom. You got great facilities. You know Indianapolis football to me is is on par with a lot of the football pro high school football programs down south because of uh, um, you know because of what they have um, because of the resources they have. So I always thought that was a great market. I uh, played with some guys from Indianapolis Cathedral. It's a it's a historic. Uh, powerhouse in the state of Indiana, um, you know, well coached, tough, you know, tough old blue collar Catholic, bang them up league. Um, they're always playing for something, and um, you know, I, I like a bigger back. And, and when you look at USC, I mean, they 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 didn't have an O line. I mean, they mm. I, I got to uh, watch probably three games this year of them and. They're throwing. The only way they could they could compete this year was by throwing the football all over the place, and you know that's a, that's a long way home. That's a long ways from home, man. Um, so um, you know, getting the kid back, Midwestern kid. He's played in the cold. He's been hit in the cold. Um, you know, hasn't you know by high school kids, but man, cold's cold and the ground's hard, man. Uh, <laughs> in Indianapolis and Lincoln, Nebraska, and Iowa City and East Lansing. So I think you got a kid that's. Uh, that's a that's a tough kid. Comes from a great program, and 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 I I always used to look at that. You know, I, I like multiple sport athletes, and I like kids that come from winning programs, um, because you know they that that stuff is hard to teach, man. Um, I mean, these guys winning programs, guys guys do a majority of things right, 
So, you know, not just on the field, but off the field. So, you know, in a place like Indianapolis Cathedral, you're not going to be a bum and and play on a team. You're not going to make it. You're not going to be a bum. You're not going to be a bad kid. You're not going to do things half right and end up going there and graduating there in four years. So um, I think that's exactly what – that's a great shot in the arm for for Nebraska. I think he's a three-down back from what I've seen. I'm not going to pretend I know a whole lot about sure. him. You know, I'm watching three-minute clips on him, but I, I, re, I, what I, I don't think you can recruit a high school kid like that to have an impact that I believe that he can have. So, um, so I'm, I'm real excited. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, to watch that. And there's just something said to, about going somewhere where you're wanted and being close to home and, and playing in an environment. I mean, he's, he's a Big Ten kid. That's where that's where he should be. So got three years and a lot of tread left on his tire and uh you know hadn't got banged up a lot so you got a you got a kid coming in a big physical kid with fresh legs so looking real excited to be watching him come this fall rick kaczynski's with his Kaz, i love the the grateful dead shout out uh i'm a, I'm a me and my uncle guy <laughs> that's that's kind of my that's my tune obviously everyone loves uh working man's dead do you, what, yeah, what do you man. got what do you got on the playlist you know, I, I like, uh, you know, comes a time. That's one of my favorite. I, I like them dark, uh, dreary cuts, um, <laughs> you know, with the dead. I'm just kind of, uh, it looks like rain. Yeah, I, I pump it up a little bit. No, you ride or China cat, you know, those cuts. I, uh, yeah, I was fortunate. My sister, uh, my sister introduced me to the dead in probably 1986, 87. And then I, I got made fun of by her deadhead friends for listening to, studio dead so that's what that, that no was so no bootlegs for you huh oh bootlegs are you kidding me <laughs> yeah i think Vince charmani's still looking for that case of bootlegs i jacked <laughs> from them yeah so hey you gotta lock your doors vince so that's you know good. <laughs> rick kaczynski the yeah, grateful high, dead hour I was in high school uh, <laughs> i love it statue of limitations no, you're good out that's pretty PA. good <laughs> that's pretty good kaz we'll, we'll talk next week if it works for you and always love the chat bud uh, absolutely, man. Happy New Year to everybody. I said hello. Gotta love Kaczynski. And, and Kaz said, you know what? I'm just going to take my buddy Vince's Grateful Dead music. Uh, we'll talk We'll talk a little Grateful Dead with Babbers tomorrow. Babbers, a huge Grateful Dead fan. And good for Kaz. I, you know what? I like the Grateful Dead. I, I, I'll listen to them. A lot of, lot of yards, man. I mowed... Listening to the dead. I know uh, Jake Mielheisen and, and Barrett Root are big deadhead guys. And uh, good for Kaz. Now, good for Kaz listening to the studio quality. <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Well, Damon. Wow. Driving that train. How cocaine. Is this grabbing you at all? I like Grateful Dead. Okay, you, yeah. so you're, oh, you like the dead. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Had, had to do it. We should have probably fired that up when, when Kaz was on with us, but it was awesome to, uh, <laughs> to have Kaz talk about breaking and entering somebody's uh, vehicle in high school. Man, that was vicious. The, the high school parking lot. Uh, some of us got lucky and had a newer pickup in high school, and 
other kids that parked next to you were pissed that you had a newer pickup in high school. So sometimes the uh, the strawberry milkshake would, would end up in the back of your truck bed with a note. <laughs> Doesn't look new now, does it? Or they just ding the door, the, the heck out of your doors. That's when you got even. And you just use their pickup bed as an ashtray. You pious kids were legendary with your pranks, right? Those are, they're a little before my time. They kind of put the, the stranglehold on those before ah, I got there. Yeah, yeah. Didn't the Volkswagen end up on the roof? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It I, sounds I, familiar. I know who pulled that off. Again, statute of limitations. Uh, Jacob Padilla is coming up. We will talk pious hoops. Pious Bell West tonight. Jacob Padilla is next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in Hoops Insider. Knows all things high school. Phenomenal coverage of Nebraska volleyball, football, basketball. We welcome in Jacob Padilla to the new year. And I uh, can find Jacob on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, how you doing, man? Thanks for the time. Good to spend some uh, some minutes with you here. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Good to talk to you again. It's been a little, little bit. It has. We were off for uh, a lot of the transition between uh, holiday season and New Year with bowl games, and we're back at it. And assuming Husker basketball ever gets rolling, we will <laughs> get things uh, nailed down. I want to start with uh, Bell West and Pius. I had a chance to do Pius, their ball game on Friday, and, and Coach Spitzkin and crew look incredible. I have not seen Bell West in person, but I mean, I know it was a thriller between them and Millard North, I think, last week. Uh, give me a, a quick take on, on tonight's ball game here uh, with uh, with Bell West and, and Pius the Tenth. I mean, that's uh, it's a it's a heavyweight tilt. Yeah, it's a it's a huge game, uh, especially for Pius, who at, at this point they they obviously got off to the the slow start or delayed start, I should say, yeah. because of the, uh, the thing down in Lincoln. So they were kind of a little late to the party while uh, Bell West and Miller North, kind of as expected, established themselves a, a top Class A. And now here we are, Pius, up to a 7-0 start, and they basically already swept through the Lincoln competition and kind of showed that they're clearly uh, at the top of the pile down there. So now they get a chance to come up here and take on uh, one of the Metro's best and to show – uh, if they belong in that top tier or if they're uh, kind of in that, that second tier with the likes of Prep and uh, Central and schools like that. So this will be a huge, uh, huge game just for educational purposes, kind of seeing how these two teams uh, compare to each other. Obviously, uh, Chucky Hepburn, the Wisconsin commit, has been a phenomenal playmaker. He, he got off to a great start scoring the ball his first three games, and since then, He's been averaging like 10 assists a game, just making great decisions. And Frankie Fiddler, the Omaha commit, who's staying home uh, next year, he, uh, he's, he's been great this season, averaging almost 23 a game, really efficient. He's been a great cutter playing off of Hepburn, and uh, he's a high-level shooter as well. So it'll be fun kind of seeing those that kind of one-two punch uh, that does a lot of the damage for Bell West go against a Pius team that, that's pretty balanced, obviously, that the Hoiberg twins kind of – Lead the lead the scoring chart there. The only two double figures guys, but they got a lot of different guys that will kind of contribute uh, in, in different spots. You know, looking at what Coach Spitzka's got going there, and 
his his bench is nice and they're they're competent uh and and they're so good defensively but the the way the Hoiberg kids change speeds is something to watch and they're telepathic with the drive and the kick or the drop down Tobenheim's really nice as well and you know are you are you going tonight or are you going to be streaming it i mean how, are you, are you uh, are you pretty locked in on this is this what you're checking out tonight or not oh yeah definitely that's actually uh soon after uh, this interview i'm going to head down to bellevue to uh, take this one in in person got I had to kind of watch a lot of streams uh, for a couple weeks right. there uh, after I got caught COVID. So I'm um, trying to make up for the lost time now and fitting in as uh, many of these games in person as I can. At Jacob Padilla underscore is where you find Jacob on Twitter. You can read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And, of course, his podcast with Damon Benning, the prep podcast on the Herd at Media platform. Uh, that is uh, a great listen. Jacob, I want to switch gears and get a thought from you on on Trout. I will see him uh, later this week, southeast in Grand Island. Uh, get it rolling on Friday. What are some takeaways with Trout this season so far? Yeah, um, so situation with uh, Isaac is Grand Island basically graduated its entire team from last year except for him. So they were a huge question mark. Obviously, everybody knows how talented he is, but there wasn't a, really anything proven coming back outside of him. So he's going to have to adjust to playing to, uh, with a whole new team and kind of worried about what that meant in terms of kind of defensive attention and what that would mean for Isaac in terms of is he going to have to try to do too much and uh, will that lead to kind of some some bad numbers or everything. But you, you look at uh, through nine games, 25 a game, 10 boards, He's shooting uh, 40% from three almost, uh, efficient inside the arc. Uh, he's having a really great season. And Grand Island hasn't had the toughest schedule yet, uh, especially with Southwest missing some of their key players when they've gotten a chance to match up. That's probably um, – of the teams they beat, Southwest is probably the best team. But, again, they were shorthanded at that point. Mm-hmm. So they're 7-2 and two, uh, with two losses, I believe, to Prep and Southeast, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but – so they've gotten off to a great start, I think, better than anyone probably expected. And Trout is the, the primary reason for that. Nobody else is averaging double figures. All our Kitan Fife, uh, younger brother Riker Fife, mm-hmm. uh, so that name should sound, sound familiar, is almost 10 a game. But outside of that, there's not a lot of guys that are making a big offensive contribution. So it really is kind of all uh, Isaac Trout focused with everything they do offensively. Jacob, about three minutes here, a little less than your takeaway. Uh, let's move to Nebraska football for a moment. Uh, quick thought here on, on the Wandale situation. Yeah, uh, I'll probably write about this a little bit more for my Wednesday sure. column. Um, but it, it's just tough. And this was kind of the guy that you identified as the perfect fit for your system. Um, you convinced him of that. You were able to win that signing, that that signature over from Kentucky after you had committed there because you had the vision and he bought into it of what you were going to be able to do with him, and got to Lincoln and uh, the last couple of years it just the the, the reality hasn't uh, matched the vision I, I think that Scott Frost sold, and um, they've gotten him plenty of touches, but I, I just don't think and he he's kind of said this in interviews he's mm-hmm. done like the way he was being used just didn't match up with the way that 
Um, he sees himself being used at the next level and uh, the way that he needs to develop as a player. And honestly, I was saying that all season long. I didn't love the way they were using him, how limited um, some of his ability to make plays downfield was within the offense. And some that's on the play calling, maybe some that's on him and where he is as a player, and a lot of it's on the quarterback situation. And kind of the, the, the trust they have in what plays are calling and the way they can get in the ball. And so on, on the football field, it just didn't quite work out as he expected. And it is kind of uh, concerning just uh, everything kind of behind the scenes. We don't know about that, but just they weren't in a position where uh, obviously the, the, his mom's health situation, that played a big part of it. There's, that's totally out of your control. But kind of just the way that he felt about the uh, about Frost and the offense and everything moving forward, it just didn't seem like he had that belief that they were, they were going to be able to get it going. And he felt like he needed to move on somewhere else. Um, that combination of getting closer to home with his mom and having a chance to see, uh, to have his talent uh, displayed in a different way. And so that that is concerning. This was what it means moving forward. If you weren't able to make it work with Wandale, where's the? Why should you have confidence that they're going to be able to get another high-profile player in here and make it work with them? Mm-hmm. Wandale certainly was totally bought in from everything that we saw, and obviously they kind of made him the face of the program in a lot of ways. Um, and now here we are after two years; he's uh, no longer going to be with the team moving forward. Jacob Bedell is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. His podcast with Damon Benning covers all things prep sports and can check that out on the Herd at Media platform at Jacob Bedell underscore. Jacob, have a good coverage tonight, and thanks for the time, bud. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio. Check us out to the podcast, also on demand is uh, where you can get us ESPN Lincoln.com also the uh, HailVarsity.com and in the Herd at Media platform HerdAt.com just a plethora of podcasts to check out plethora of interviews to check out uh, the on demand ESPN Lincoln.com uh, Damon and Elijah do an awesome job of getting that uploaded two minute drill with the ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle has uh, a few minutes of some of the best parts of the interview great stuff from Rick Kaczynski today as always, we love our Tuesday chats with Kaz. Mitch Sherman's phenomenal as well. Mitch, uh, we talked uh, a lot of Big Red. And then Jacob Bedilla covering some prep stuff with Bell West and Pius. Man, I wish I was up there doing the game. I mean, I really <laughs> – last year we did districts. Coach Smith and I were up there at, at Bell West, and the Thunderbirds were awesome, man. They let us do the show uh, from the wrestling room, right, uh, in their gym. And then we were able to broadcast Southeast and, and Bellevue West, the, the district ball game. Man, I wish I was doing the game tonight, but wasn't to be. We'll uh, have games Thursday and Friday. I will on uh, ESPN Lincoln here and then KFOR. And, of course, you can catch Doug Duda. Does an amazing job. 1460, 1550, and uh, all over central Nebraska. And, of course, uh, our old buddy Gus, his crew up in Columbus, News Talk 900. So uh, all over the state, man, just great stuff of, of high school coverage. 
We will uh, dive in tomorrow. Uh, Brad Edwards will talk some college football with us. Mike Babcock will join us. Excited to talk with Babbers. Mike Shuhart, Shuey will be in with us. And uh, we'll talk about uh, Devontae Smith's injury on our jock doc and some emails to get to real quick. This uh, from a, a loyal listener and, and love getting to email. Big thanks to Ted for emailing in. Ted's take on the program is this, the only surefire way to turn this thing around, focus 75% of the staff's attention on line recruiting and development. This year's Heisman Trophy winner is an exception, but for most players, great lines create great skill players. Teddy, hope you don't mind me calling you Teddy, Ted. Ted, you're right on it. And it is the lines of scrimmage that dominate, that own, and... Think about this. You get a great offensive line like Bama, and then you pair that with a guy like Harris. I mean, it's not the back making the line look great, and it's not the not not all the line making the, the back look great. It's unison. Together, they're phenomenal. And you had it for years. Think of the pipeline years when they had Lauren Suraman running the football. Or think of pre-pipeline where you had Remington and Steincooler. Or Dan Young or Will Shields or Riola or Finotti, I mean, or or Hochstein. I mean, you had some incredible offensive lines that uh, did the job and then some. Damon, you're you're doing leftovers tonight, but is it is it Wine Tuesday? Uh, girlfriend's at work tonight, and uh, I'll be covering uh, the uh, Lincoln Lutheran uh, Elmwood Murdoch. That's game right. Here Willie tonight. Jay has basketball tonight. You have Will Wilson on the call. Will so Wilson and Tim Bob. We'll be. I'll be here tonight for uh, for a while at you, least. Did you bring your leftover hamburger helper? I, I will grab it out of the fridge. Ah, look at Damon. Damon Barr. Hamburger helper and rum. That's what the halftime show is. Talk to you tomorrow at four. Thanks.